0: Okay. So, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, you guys. Why don't you sit next to each other, as far away from each other as possible. Um, Let me just explain what this uh, seminar stream is about. It's fine, guys. Just get yourselves a chair. Don't worry about me. I'll just stand. Outrageous. Um, So, you've come to the True Story stream. This is going to be running uh, all week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And the aim of this series really is we wanted to give people an opportunity to share their story of how Jesus has impacted their lives. But we wanted to do it with a bit of looking at different topics each morning. And so this morning we're looking at the topic of sex. Now you may be wondering what? yes, I just heard someone say, excited for sex. Uh, it's one of those words, isn't it? Yeah, football. Who said Football. <laughs> Yeah, Mark's coming with his West Ham top. I won't ask him to talk about football. Um, but yeah, so basically this morning we're going to look at the topic of sex. The reason we're doing that is because I think that sex is perhaps one of the biggest topics that is talked about in our culture. Whether you have straight conversations with your friends about sex or whether actually it is from the things that you watch and you listen to, uh, everything more and more is becoming about this theme. So the songs... What's, that, what's the Justin Bieber song that's been out? No, it's been like number one for 10 weeks, Despacito. If you look at the translation of those words, that song is all about sex. Every single song, basically, in the top 100, is really about the topic of relationships and about sex. When you look at when people are trying to sell anything, whether that be buy this coffee or buy this car or buy this cat food, probably not cat food, that'd be really weird, but uh, but basically, sex sells. So they try and make it about sex in some way, shape or form. And yet the truth is that within Christianity, within the church setting, we don't talk about it that much. It's almost one of those awkward conversations, isn't it? And so, you know, we kind of, let's let's just not talk about it because it can get a bit awkward. But we thought, no, we want to talk about it. We want to equip you to understand what what God thinks about sex and how as Christians, if you're a Christian here, how we are to engage with this topic. Is it okay and okay to do whenever we want to? Is it really bad and we should never go anywhere near it? Or is there something else for us to find out about? And so I've invited some friends to come and, uh, come and talk because I'm just so popular. I thought I need to have some friends to be with me to show my popularity. Have you guys got any more microphones? Pete, can you, or Carolyn, do you want to grab the ones from, they're around the back? Yeah. Are we able to use the other mics as well? Great. But, do you know where they are? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many people does it take to get the microphones? <laughs> Mark's not going. Here they come. Well done, you guys. Great. So what I thought was, rather than just one person sharing their story um, and kind of us getting a helpful, helpful story around it, I thought what would be really great is to invite some friends to come and share um, and actually them share their personal story. And what we're going to find is each one of them, their story is very different. And so, hopefully, what that will do is that will help us understand a little bit more about this topic of sex. Um, so, these guys are going to share. I'm going to just do a little interview with them, and then we may open it up to some Q and A. And we'd love to pray for you as well at the end. So, before we, we kind of dive into that, why don't we just go down? Tell us who you are, where do you live? Because I think that's that's quite nice for people to know. And if you could have a superpower, what superpower would it be and why? Okay, so let's start. We'll start. Oh, are you ready to go? Look, go on. Then.
1: Ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, my name's Carolyn. Um, I live in Brighton. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure being there. I'm glad you liked that I was there. Uh, if I, firstly, and most importantly, I'm an Arsenal supporter. Yeah! <coughs> We're
0: changing the seminar to talk about Arsenal. It's <laughs> yeah, to decided. Totally.
1: It. Um, and if I had a superpower, of course, flying. Why would you not want to fly? Breakfast in Barbados. Lunch in uh, Marbella.
0: Ooh. Dinner in Brighton. <laughs>
1: Boom. It's
0: good. Okay.
2: Uh, my name's Pete, and uh, I am uh, from... I live in Aldershot. <gasps> oh. <laughs> you <laughs> won't have person. heard it. They have a football team. I don't support them. Uh, I go to church in Aldershot and Farnham, and Borden, actually, because we have a few sites. Um, and obviously, I'm from Hampshire and Surrey, so I support Manchester United. <laughs> It just, just makes sense. Um, I've never been to Old Trafford either. I'm, I'm not ashamed. Uh, superpower. Well, it, it's got to be invisibility because people can see you flying, whereas I can just walk on a plane, be invisible and go to Barbados anyway. And you can't, you can't just take stuff for free if you can fly, because they can see you taking it. Whereas, I, not that I would do that, I wouldn't it still. going into
0: great detail. i thought about this a lot. If I was invisible, I would
2: become a criminal. So Contestant number
3: three. So, I'm Mark, and uh, I live in Canterbury. And I'll raise, I'll raise the tone a little bit. I'm a West Ham sport. I thought we were talking about sport this morning, oh. but now I hear that we're talking about sex. So, uh, I've got to do some quick thinking. If I had a superpower, I would have the Sky Plus superpower where you can actually store stuff and rewind and do it again, and you can fast-forward through bad bits. So you can rewind and fast-forward fast your life. That would be good.
0: Have you ever had that question asked before? Or did you literally just think of that then? I
3: just thought of that then.
0: That's really impressive in terms of as a superpower. Uh, so, yeah, so these guys are going to share their story. I'm just going to ask fast them some forward. questions, and, uh, and we'll, we'll walk through. So let's start. Mark, let's start with you. Why don't you tell us a little bit in terms of, uh, obviously, you are now an old man, very um, Very old married with three children, two of whom are here. One's over there, Naomi. Uh, She's here excited for the seminar to hear her dad talk about sex. Uh. (laughs) But um, why don't you tell us a little bit, Mark, in terms of for you growing up, what was kind of your attitude towards sex and why?
3: Okay, so I think probably the first thing to say is I became a Christian when I was seven. So... Um, I was really clear at the age of seven that I believed in Jesus and I knew that I needed him to save me and that he'd forgiven me. But then from seven onwards and through my teenage years, I realized increasingly that I had a whole bunch of choices to make. So I guess rather than just about sex, I realized that I had to make choices about whether I was going to try and follow God's way or whether I was going to do what I wanted to do. And why I found that difficult at times was because I had so many different perspectives flying at me. So I had the music I listened to, I had what my youth leader was saying, I had what I'd read in the Bible, I had what I watched on telly, I had what all my mates were saying, and I had to come to a position of what's my attitude, what's my perspective on sex as I was growing up. And what the position that I got to was, I guess I realised that doing things God way, God's way was my ambition. That's what I wanted to do. I believed that if I did things his way, then that would be best. But that didn't make it easy. It was actually really difficult at times to try and listen to what God was saying and try and work out, well, how does that fit with what my mates are saying? Or actually, how does that fit with what I want to do? And sometimes there was a difference between what I thought and what I felt. So I had to come to a position where I was really clear, and I guess the... The answer to the question is what was my approach to it is I think I figured out pretty early on that my approach to sex was going to be a bit of a battle. And not just with sex, but just in the way that I was going to live my life as a Christian. It's a battle. And if you don't realise it's a battle, the way you live your Christian life, then you're vulnerable straight away. And I always work... I, I kind of figure that if something's a battle, it's good to have a plan. So I had a plan. And my plan was try and think forward a long way not just what I'm thinking and feeling now but try and think forward and I decided that when I got married I was going to be a virgin when I got married that was my decision at probably about your age 12 and 14 that was my decision that was it and I told people that and I told my youth leader and I told people in my church and they said that's good and sometimes I told my mates and they didn't think that was very good I got a bit of a hard time about that at different times at school But that was my plan. That's what I was going to do. And I realized that if I was going to follow through on that plan, it's not about last fighting on my own. I needed the Holy Spirit to help me. And it wasn't easy, but I'm pleased to say that I was a virgin when I got married. And I figured that that was probably the best gift that I could give to my wife. I've been married 21 years. I've got three children. And, you know, that probably was the best gift that I could give to to my wife. It was a, a decision that I made. And I'll tell you a bit more about it when Martin asks me some more questions.
0: Great. Well done, mate. That's excellent. Really helpful. Carolyn, let's, let's go to you. For you then, so obviously you're, you're still a young young woman, um, married, and you've got, how many kids do you have? Three?
1: 700. 700 <laughs> children.
0: <laughs> no, three?
1: They're all my children. Yeah, three. Three, yeah. Three. I
0: was thinking, it's definitely not 700. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit in terms of, for you, what, what role did sex have in kind of your, your story growing up?
1: So I didn't grow up like uh, Mark. Um, I really didn't have parents who cared much about me when I was growing up. So I pretty much grew up with my friends and, and what my friends did, that's what sort of set the rules of my life. And so when I got to my teens, all my friends said they were having sex. And so I just thought, fine, that's what I'll do then, because everyone's doing that. And so that's what I'll do. Um, I, my first thing there would be, it turns out they were lying. Uh, p- friends tell you a lot of things that they 're doing, and often that 's not true so uh, i didn 't have parents who loved me very much, and I just thought I met a guy, a uh, teenage boy, I was fifteen, um, and I started going out of him, and you know he said he loved me, and I thought sex, love that 's exactly the same thing. So we started having sex when I was fifteen um, and the thing about having sex when at any point in your life is that sex ties you. It links you to somebody. And so uh, that boyfriend became very violent, but I was having sex with him, so I was tied to him. There's a link, and it's, it's a very hard link to break. And so I stayed in a violent relationship for quite a long time with a guy that loved me.
0: Great, okay. So for you then, kind of almost the total opposite of Mark's story and of from quite a young age, kind of having sex and the challenges that that brought to it. What about then for Pete, What would you say in terms of um, what difficulties did your attitude towards sex, did you face kind of growing up in terms of the position that you placed and the
2: challenges that you faced with that? Yeah, so I am similar to Mark. I grew up, uh, my mum used to take me to church, me and my brother. My dad wasn't a Christian until I was about 11. Uh, But we went to church. I loved going to church up until about the age of 11 because Sunday school was cool. You just got to colour in and stick stuff and cut stuff, and I loved that. So, uh, And then when I became a teenager, it was, it was a pretty boring church, to be honest. There wasn't anything for youth, so I kind of stopped going. Um, I just loved football, so that's kind of what I wanted to do. But I still had kind of this religion slash a little bit of faith that my mum had helped me to see through growing up in church and going to Sunday school and hearing stories and those things. And... So I think my attitude was, was similar to Mark's, but it was kind of not, not as deliberate, if that makes sense. It was kind of a, I've just heard that the Bible says something about this not being right and not being something that I should do now as a teenager outside of marriage. So I'm, I'm just not going to do that. Um, so it was a little bit different and it was a, probably a bit around my parents as well. I didn't want to, I knew they believed that as well, so I didn't want to kind of upset Them, so it's the same kind of stance, but maybe a different kind of motivation behind it. And I guess because of that, going through teenage years, you know, it's as you said at the beginning, it's just all about sex. You know, I didn't have as much access to it back then. You know, I didn't have a mobile phone at school that could connect me straight to the internet. Didn't have that. But I did a paper round, and every morning I did my paper round, and every morning my bag was full of newspapers and some of those newspapers just had pictures of naked women all over them. And so as a 13, 14, 15-year-old boy, every time I get one of these papers out, it was like this constant battle, as Mark said, to, you know, fold it as quick as I can and put it in the letterbox. Sometimes I won that battle, sometimes I didn't win that battle. And also at school, you know, people... We're talking about sex, and as Carolyn said, some of them may have been telling the truth, a lot of them probably weren't telling the truth, but it was kind of like seen as the goal, that was, that was what you were working towards in your teenage years when you were at school, and I know that that is still the case, and it was kind of seen as this, this kind of, this prize that, you know, if you've, if you've not got it, then there's something a bit weird about you. If you've not had sex, there's, you're not quite normal. Um, and if you're not even trying to have sex, then there's something like, you're really not normal. You, you've just got to be really weird. And so that was, a, that, was di- that was difficult for me. But to be honest, I had a really good group of friends. I had a few best mates who I played football with every week. They were my best friends. And actually with them, it just rarely came up. I knew that some of them had the complete opposite view to me. And I knew that some of them were having sex as we got older through our teenage years. But actually, I'd chosen good friends. And although they disagreed with me uh, on the sex stance, actually, it was never a problem with them because they were my friends. And I'd selected those friends carefully. So actually, with them, it wasn't actually much of a problem. Brilliant.
0: So, for, you know, we don't know your story. We don't know the, the challenges that you're facing and the things that you've walked through already. But what's encouraging, even just to hear from these guys at a young age and, and their kind of interaction with sex and decisions that they made and things that they tried to do. Listen, if you try to live God's way, it isn't always easy. But it doesn't mean that it's wrong sometimes the right thing is the harder thing to do. And I think it's encouraging to hear already the kind of journey that these guys have started to go on. Carolyn, I'd love to ask you, so for you, your story, obviously, as you've already shared, you were saved incredibly. Um, You know, Jesus really intervened in your life and changed the total direction uh, carolyn shared in true stories um was it last year or he, last year her testimony which is just incredible the grace of god at work and there's a moment where god breaks in and it changes the direction but i'd love to know what would you say have been the biggest battles you've faced because of your journey with sex then coming to become a christian and then kind of having to learn to live as a christian and with the kind of the things of the past what have been the biggest battles that you've faced
1: uh well, we have this amazing thing that God gives us called memory. And so you remember. You, 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 even when you know that you're forgiven, you remember. You remember things you've done. And you can't erase memories. They don't disappear. And I think that when you have sex, when you put yourself into those intimate relationships... You know, so I had a boyfriend and when when that broke, I had a different boyfriend and a different boyfriend and it went on and on and on until I got saved. And each time you go into a relationship and it goes wrong, you think, oh, man, that really hurt. What I need to do is protect my heart. So you think, I won't do that again. Won't do that like that. And you just build a couple of bricks, you know, build a little wall around your heart to keep yourself safe because we all want to keep ourselves safe. But then there's another relationship and there's another guy that you sleep with and you're like, oh man, I, just, I need to protect myself there. And so, you know, you get a few years in and you've got this massive wall around your heart. And actually your heart's hard and you're not open and you're not, it's much harder to hear from God. It's much harder to even be in non-sexual relationships or even friendships. and and friendships with guys all become difficult because you've built this big wall around yourself and you're protecting yourself because no one's going to hurt you again like that. And so then when you get saved, God's like, well, okay, you're saved and I want you for myself and I want your heart. So God then has to start tearing down all that stuff you built around your heart. And that's painful because if you imagine your heart's here, you didn't build the wall over there You build it really close. And if you imagine, if you ever had a plaster and you put a plaster on a cut and you had to rip the plaster off because it starts to get right in. It becomes part of your skin. And that's what it feels like. It's it's Those bricks are being removed. And it hurts. It hurts your heart. And so you think, you know, I'm having sex or I'm in these relationships. They feel good. This feels good. This feels good. But just because it feels good don't mean it's right. And actually, you put yourself through the pain of those relationships, and then you get saved, and then you go through the pain of repairing that. And that's hard. Brilliant.
0: Okay. Mark, for you then, let's, let's come to you. From your experience, and obviously the journey that you went on, you made a choice, a very deliberate choice from quite a young age that you wanted to uh, stay stay a virgin till you got married and you know, by the grace of God we're able to walk that through. What would you say are the, some of the biggest lies that we're kind of told about sex and that we kind of need to be aware of and, and fight against?
3: I think that's a good question because I think we are lied at all the time mm. about sex, about all sorts of other stuff as well, about success and happiness and money and all sorts of things. But I think particularly with sex, because it's such a part of our culture, I think there isn't a day that goes by where we're not lied at really subtly mm. Um, so I think some of those lies, you have to really be clear on identifying them and thinking. Actually, I think that's a fiery dart. I'm not sure I believe that. Challenge what your mates are saying. Challenge what you're hearing on songs. Challenge what you see in a movie. Mm. And I think one of the biggest lies that we can be prone to believing is actually God doesn't want me to have fun. Actually, being a Christian's a bit boring, and all my mates having fun. They're having a wonderful time, and actually, being a Christian's really. You know, it's just God doesn't want me to have fun. And actually, when you when you start to hear that lie, just think about the very start of the Bible, when when sin first came with Adam and Eve, it was because actually they thought they knew better. And I think that's one of the lies actually that comes in is we think we know better, and we think actually God's plan actually maybe not for me. Um, I think I can make some better plans and it'll all be fine. And I think another lie that we've got to be really careful about is we've been taught about grace, and grace is a wonderful thing, and it's so true that God's grace can cover anything, but as we've just heard, memories remain, and I think we've got to be really careful not to think, do you know what, I'll follow God's way maybe when I'm 22, or when I meet the person that might become my husband or my wife. Actually, that's a lie, because What we need to do is follow his way right now because it's best for us right now. So it's not just a sort of grace isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card where you just sort of think, well, if I apologise, it'll all be fine. And it's not like pressing restart on your computer game and getting a new game and starting again. The decisions that you make now and in the coming years can have really long-term consequences. But the world's telling you they don't. If it feels good, do it. It must be right if it feels right. And if you're in love, it must be right. Who would tell you it isn't? And actually, God's got a far greater plan and a plan that comes with endless blessings. I genuinely feel, as Martin said, by the grace of God, I was able to stick to the decision I made. And, it, and I said it was difficult at times. But he tells us in the Bible, if we follow his way, he will bless us more than we can ask or imagine. And I genuinely tell you, I feel blessed more than I, can, I could have ever asked for and imagined, way beyond what I deserve, because I made mistakes. He's blessed me way beyond what I deserve. And if we don't think about that now and trust him and say, yes, Lord, I know that following your way, as hard as it is, will actually be the best way. I think that's probably the worst lie that we can start to believe.
0: Brilliant. And Pete, just off, off the back of what Mark was sharing there. Obviously, when you, as Christians, when you talk about sex, especially to you know, your age group when... For you, you know, if you're going to follow the heart of God and what, what the Bible teaches, which is that sex is for the context of marriage between a man and a woman, obviously at the age of twelve to fourteen, probably none of you are planning on getting married now um, or for a while, at least, hopefully. Uh, and um, and so for you guys, what you can sometimes feel is that it's almost like this this incredible thing that is sex you're not allowed to have, and so you're like, oh man, you know, Christianity just sucks in terms of these things have I been. Mean, it's all about what you can't have. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about you can have things that are far greater than that. You can have a relationship with Jesus that you will know an intimacy in a way that you won't find in anything else and, like that. Pete, what would you say from your kind of personal story are the blessings that you've found um, in terms of walking and attempting to walk in
2: purity for Jesus? Yeah, that's a good question. Martin gave us these questions, by the way, before, and... Uh, one and three, where I was like, okay, I can answer that. But I had to think about this one. And the first thing, I was chatting to Stephen Dawson about it yesterday, and the first thing I want to say is that when we get a blessing from God or when we are blessed, it, it doesn't always appear like a blessing at the time. So, you know, we can know that God has something better for us. And so if I, if I kind of, if I choose this way, I know that it's, I know it's right. And I know it's the right thing to do. It's a good thing to do. I know that God has said, go this way because there's better for you. I've got something better for you. And I I 100% believe that that is true. But, you know, sometimes actually walking through that blessing and seeing that happen or waiting for it actually is hard. It's difficult. You know, it says, doesn't it? Blessed are those who are persecuted. It doesn't feel like you're blessed when you're being persecuted. It doesn't feel like that. But God knows he's got something for you ultimately that is going to far outweigh anything that you will go through. So I've, I've got to hold on to that and I've got to believe that. And probably that's the first blessing. The blessing that ultimately one day I'll be free of all of these lies and all of the things that try and grab me and snare me. And all of the consequences, you know, all of the people that actually, some people haven't held that stance or tried to hold it and slipped up and messed up. And although they know that there's no condemnation in in Christ, sometimes they feel like, ah. But the ultimate blessing is that one day they'll be free of all of that. They'll be free from that because that's the promise that we've got, that actually Jesus has freed us from these things. But when you're at school, when I was a teenager and... Sex is a pleasurable thing. That's the way that God made it. So it is a good thing. It is pleasurable. It was meant to be that way. And everyone around you, lots of people around you are doing that. It maybe doesn't feel like a blessing. But actually, the more that I say to God, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk your way, regardless of what it feels like at the time, the more he blesses me. And over the years... I've felt a freedom from that. You know, I, I'm 37 now. I know that I don't look it. Um, Looks 50. I look, oh, shh, shh. But I'm 37 and I've not had sex. And that's okay. I'm, I'm proud to say that. And that's one of the blessings. And I want to say that to you because actually, people, if you, some of you, if you get to 14, And someone finds out you haven't had sex, they laugh at you. They call you weird. It's not not normal to them. But actually, the blessing of God is sex is a good thing. And it's for a man and a woman who are married to enjoy. And that's the blessing. And I'm not married yet. So I'm not going to enjoy that yet. One day, maybe I'll get that blessing. But for now, there are many other blessings. Because, you know, when Jesus says, I'm enough, he really means it. And the more, you, the more you walk in that truth, although at the time it feels horrible sometimes, sometimes people laugh at you, sometimes people make fun at you, maybe some of you have been bullied because of it. Actually, ultimately, Jesus is enough. And sex isn't everything. It's not everything. It's not the be-all and end-all. It's not the ultimate prize. And if you haven't had sex, you are still normal. I want you to be free and know that. And that's the biggest blessing, actually, that I'm free in God and Jesus is enough for me.
0: That's brilliant, Pete. Thank you so much.
2: Let's do one more question for each of you and then uh, I think I
0: want us to then have a bit of ministry time rather than Q&A so um, let's start, Carolyn we'll, and we'll work down the line we're very blessed to have a few people in the room, if you could give them one piece of advice to walk out with what would it be?
1: Pete thought it'd be funny to talk while you are asking me the question so I wouldn't hear the question <laughs> but I've memorised it yeah. and so I heard Martin say seven pieces of advice <laughs> anyway <laughs> um, my, one of my favorite scriptures is uh, Jesus said, Jesus was asked about the commandments, and he said, um, there's two commandments that you need to remember. Don't worry about the 10, Two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. For me, that means that, like Pete said, uh, sex is a gift that God gives us. Okay, if you knew that your mum had bought you an amazing present for your birthday, you would not two weeks before your birthday go find the present, open it, play with it and not and be confused when your mum was annoyed with you. You totally get when your mum was like, that's not yours. You wouldn't be like, yeah, but it's mine because my birthday's in two weeks. You totally get it. You'd wait until it was given to you. And sex is that gift. It's given to you in marriage. God wants it for you in marriage. That's his gift to you. And if you take it before then, you took something that wasn't yours. So I always say to my kids, don't steal from God. Don't take stuff that's not yours. Love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, and soul. And that means I'm not going to take from you, God, the gift you haven't given me yet. Because he knows exactly the right time for you to have that gift. Your mum does not give you Everything you ask for the minute you ask for it. That's not great parenting. Okay? Your parents don't just go, yes, of course you can have more sweets. Of course you can just live on pizza forever. That's not great parenting. Okay? Sometimes your mum says, no, eat your vegetables or no, you can't have any more sweets or no, you can't have any more money or 400 pound pairs of trainers. Whatever it is. Okay? And the second part of that scripture is, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now we hear that and we think, Love my neighbor. But there's another bit. As you love yourself. God's saying, love yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself enough to know I'm worth more than what somebody else demands of me. I'm worth more than my friend thinking I should have sex. I'm worth more than pleasing my friend, that guy, that girl. I'm worth more than impressing somebody. I'm going to love myself. And because then, when you love yourself, you won't make the mistake I made thinking, I need somebody else to love me, and sex is going to show that they love me. If I had loved myself and known how much God loved me, I wouldn't have done that. Because I would have known, like Pete said, God's enough. God loves me, and I love me. And that boy, is, that's, that's not even in the equation, that's not relevant. I don't need that. You've, everyone in this room, I guarantee, has got a best friend, okay? Most of you, not all of you, but most of you, your best friend will be the same gender as you, so your girl, probably have, your best friend's a girl, guy, your best friend's probably a guy, okay? Most of you, 99% of you, if not all of you, are not having sex with your best friend, but they're still your best friend, you share your secrets, you tell them all your stories and everything about you, you're having a great relationship without sex. And do you know what that proves? You can. It's possible. You don't need the sex bit to make a relationship right.
2: So I think, um, just um, put your hand up if you've... I just thought of this. Hopefully it'll work. (laughs) Put your hand up if you have seen... A pornographic image of some kind. And by that I mean a picture of a naked person. Just be brave. Put your hand up. Just look around while the hands are still up. And know that some people didn't put their hands up. I'm not going to point them out because I don't know them. But I know some people didn't. Okay. Again, put your hands down. I want you to know that you are not alone. So if you've struggled with sex, whether it's you've had sex and you now feel unclean, dirty, guilt-ridden, you can't move on from it, I want you to know you're not alone. Other people have struggled with it. I want you to know that if you have not just looked at a pornographic image, but you've looked many times, and you can't, you can't stop looking, but you feel like you're the only one that has that problem, and if you tell someone else, they're gonna think you're weird or they're gonna look down on you or they're gonna condemn you. You're not alone. I lost the battle with the papers in the paper bag sometimes. And between then and now, I've, I've lost the battle sometimes with the internet or movies that I knew that I shouldn't have watched because I knew that it was gonna have something that wasn't gonna help me stay pure for God. You see, the, the standard is perfection And ultimate purity. And none of us have reached it or will reach it here on this earth. And so you're not alone. I want you to know that. So when we do some ministry time in a minute, if you've struggled with anything, make sure. The first thing is you tell someone. Because when you keep it a secret, there's an enemy, the devil, who is just laughing his head off. Because he has you right where he wants you. Because at that point, your secret is just between you and him. And obviously God sees it. But no one around you sees it. As soon as you tell someone else, you've taken the first step to winning that battle. So I just want you to know you're not alone. So don't feel ashamed or embarrassed. And if you struggle with anything to do with sex, don't leave this room for many years, I went to meeting after meeting when someone said this to me and I walked out because I was embarrassed and ashamed. But the problem doesn't go away. For me, the temptation is still there. It's, I have to keep making the choice to win the battle because I know Jesus has freed me from that and he is enough for me. So don't leave this room. He has better for you and he has paid the price so you can be free from whatever it is that you feel trapped by. And so my favorite verse is John 10, 10, where Jesus says, I have come to give you life. And I would say to you, trust that. Even though sometimes it feels like there's a better life, sometimes it feels like there's something greater, there isn't anything greater than the life that Jesus has for you. So take that verse And when life gets tough and something else looks better, shout at the enemy. If no one's around, like actually shout it. No, no, I don't believe your lies. Jesus is enough, and His life that He has for me is the best life I can live. So Jesus has the best life for you, and you are not alone. Whatever it is, some of you I know have sat there thinking, "No, no, no," but you don't know what I've done, Pete. You're not alone. So don't leave this room without asking for someone to pray for you and just speaking out to them.
3: So I guess the the one bit of advice that I would um, give is have a plan. It's quite easy as you leave New Day this week to be really buoyed up and really encouraged and excited. But, you know, in six months' time, sometimes things feel different. And the reason I say have a plan is actually we can be in situations where we can feel wobbly or weak or tempted or all sorts of things and not just with sex I mean let's think about it with food you want to you want to eat a really healthy diet and then you're really really hungry and you're walking past somewhere where they're not selling healthy food the temptation's far greater than when you're full up and I really feel with this that understanding and knowing and focusing on the fact that the Lord really does have good plans for your life keeping in step with the plans that he has for your life. As, as Martin said, I'm really old now. I'm 42. I look back, and it's so true. I've got a privileged position that I can look back now and think, it's so true. When you keep in step with the plans that he's got for you, things just go so much better. There's no surprise, is it? He designed this thing. He, he designed sex. He designed, he's got plans for us and plans for our life. So having a plan to stick close to him is probably the best bit of advice I can give. Brilliant,
0: brilliant. Can we just give these guys a round of applause? I just think what they've what they've shared has been been really helpful. Don't move just yet. Just stay where you are for a sec. I know your tummies are probably starting to rumble. We will finish in a minute. But I just I just feel a nudge of the Lord as these guys have been speaking. Actually, it'd be good for us to pray. Um, and, I, and I'm, feel, I to, I'm going to do it. I've been questioning in my head whether to do it or not. I'm going to do it. I don't care. Um, I felt what all of these guys have said has been really important. But there's one thing Mark said, which is that he made a choice when he was young, your age, that he wasn't going to have sex. That he, he saw something in Jesus that he said, Jesus is, is more important to me than anything else. And so I'm, I'm going to make the choice. Jesus, I'm going to live for you. And I'm not going to have sex until I get married. And if I don't get married, I'm not going to have sex. And he made that choice. Now, it wasn't easy. He shared that, the challenges that he faced. But that choice that he made was a a step of faith to say, Jesus, I'm going to really need your help, but I want to make that decision. And just as as we've been listening to these guys share, I just felt God say to kind of make that ask of you today. Some of you in here, we've all got different stories, and we love all of you. We want to pray for you. If you have already had sex... Please don't leave this room without coming and speaking to us so that we can just pray for you and help you and journey through that. Carolyn would love to stand with you and talk that through. But I feel like many in this room probably so far haven't. And there's a moment here, I feel like, a a kind of moment in God that he's saying, do you want to make a commitment to him to say, Jesus, I genuinely think you're more important to me than what my friends think, than what the world's telling me is more important. I'm saying, Jesus, you are. And so if you want to make that decision today, that commitment, to say, Jesus, I'm not going to have sex until I'm married because I love Jesus more than I love sex, then I want you to stand up where you are. Don't do it because your friend's doing it. Don't do it because you feel the pressure because I've asked you to stand. If you're really serious today about wanting to make that commitment, stand to your feet now where you are. Well done. That's very exciting. Now, I also, stay standing, those of you that stood, if you're sitting down, stay sitting down, don't feel the pressure to stand. If, if you are feeling like, you know what, I wish I could have stood, I wish I'd heard this seminar last year, I wish I could have had that opportunity before this year's happened and the mistake I've made. Listen, the grace of God means that when he looks on us, he doesn't see the stains of our mistakes because Jesus has dealt with that. We're clean in his eyes if we're in Jesus. And so, so if, you, if you have made that mistake, maybe you've already had sex, but today you want to make a commitment to say, Jesus, I'm not going to do it again until I'm married because you're worth it, then I want to just invite you to stand as well where you are. If you, you, if you want to stand, you haven't stood yet, then do. And I'm just going to ask Mark to pray over you. Because um, I almost want to pray that the grace of God that was on his life and that he was able to walk would be in our lives. That those of us that have stood, that this would be something that you remember. I genuinely feel like this is going to be something you're going to be looking back on. Listen, temptation's going to come your way. Just because you've stood up today doesn't mean you're never going to face a challenge and a difficulty. You're probably going to face people that will say things about you and to you that are hard to hear and will really impact you. You're probably going to find yourself in positions where there's opportunities to look at things or to do things. But I feel like God's going to remind you of this moment that you stood and you made a commitment before God and before one another that you said, you are, you are worth it. Jesus, you're worth it. I'm going to hold out. I'm going to wait for what you've got for me. And I love that picture that Caroline had about the birthday present. It's my birthday in a few days' time and my wife's brought some presents for me. They're in the tent. I'm not going to open them before my birthday. She'd be so gutted if I did that. She genuinely would. She'd be really disappointed in that we weren't able to share that special moment and the gift that she'd planned to give me on that day. That I love that picture. That's what God wants for you. So, Mark, will you pray over these guys? Is that all right? Maybe wait, if you've stood up, just hold your hands out. I like to do this just personally. It's a bit of a sign to say, I'm expectant that I'm going to receive something from my Heavenly Father right now. It's almost like a, a, a faith step to say, I'm ready to receive something as Mark prays over you.
3: Just before I do that, I just... I feel as you've stood that the Lord's given me a couple of words that I want to bring. And what I want you to do with your eyes shut and your hands out is just imagine an audience of one. So we've been talking about what the world says about sex and what songs say and everything else. Just for a minute now, and this is really important, this is really important stuff. Just imagine an audience of one with Jesus looking directly at you. And there's two things that I feel he's just said to me. And one is specifically for the ladies that have just stood up. And what that is, is that there is nothing to him, to this audience of one, to Jesus that died for you, there is nothing more beautiful than what you've just done. To stand up and say, I'm going to follow your way, Jesus. I'm going to put what I want as secondary to what you want. That's a big thing. Audience of one, Jesus looking directly at you, knowing your name, saying, Thank you. Well done. I think you're beautiful. That's such a beautiful heart. The other thing to the guys in here who stood up, same thing. Jesus, all powerful, who's conquered sin and death, looking directly at you and saying, There's nothing more manly than standing up and saying, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm sold out for you, Jesus. I'm going to put what I want as secondary to what you have done for me, and I'm going to follow you. So Lord Jesus, as we're stood here now, Father, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to come and help us, Lord. We know that this life is full of battles, that those battles don't stop as soon as we get married, as soon as we get to a certain age, as as soon as we're in a different situation, that battles are ongoing, uh, We have to make daily decisions to follow you. Lord Jesus, we just ask for your help, for your Holy Spirit to come and help us now Of all these individual decisions that you're so pleased with, of people saying, yeah, I'm going to follow you in this area as well, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for your help, pray for your protection. Lord, will you please bring protection to every person that's stood here now? saying I want to follow you Lord there'll be real encouragement Lord there'll be individual plans Lord Jesus that people thinking right this is what I'm going to do I need to talk to somebody Lord I pray that people will be wise in getting people alongside them to help them Lord none of us want to be in a battle on our own Lord I pray against shame Lord Jesus I pray against secret parts of our lives Lord that It will be exposed in front of you and in front of good youth leaders or loving parents or good friends so that we can stand at times when it's all coming on top and say, no, I am going to follow Jesus. And Lord, I pray that every person that stood and said, no, I'm going to do it your way. I will be a virgin until I get married. And if I don't get married, I'll stay a virgin. Lord, thank you for their heart commitments. Lord Jesus, we just seal that in your name now. Thank you,
2: Father.
1: When I was quite young, I um, saw pornography, quite heavy pornography. I must have been about 12, 11 or 12. And I really feel that God is saying that for the females in this room, we hear guys talk a lot about pornography, but there are a lot of females here who have been exposed to pornography. And I think that some of you are thinking, I can't move past. I can't get past that. I can't get past what I've seen. I, don't, I want to say I'm going to commit... To myself, to Jesus, and to stay a virgin, and to commit myself in that way. But what do I do about that stuff in my head? And I'm going to pray for you, but I'd love you to come and see me afterwards, and I'd love to pray for you individually. Yeah. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you cast all of our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, Father God. You remove our shame. And I pray, Father, particularly for the young women in this room, Father God, who have been impacted by pornographic images, by pornographic films, by a in, Father God. I pray, Father, you would just release that burden from them, Father God. You would shake off that shame. You expose the works of the enemy and set them free, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Okay, we're going um, to bring our time to an end in just a moment, but I just want to say a couple of things just finally to finish. In, uh, in the book 1 Thessalonians, a guy called Paul writes it, it's in the Bible. Uh, he talks in there and he says, God's called you not to impurity, but to holiness. What that means is that God has called you to be set apart, not of this world, different to the world. And then at the end of the book, Paul writes, he who calls you is surely is faithful and he will surely do it. Those of you that have just stood up. We've, we've made a big deal about talking about sex. We haven't made a big deal about talking about marriage. That's because the age that you're at, we felt like we wanted to tilt into this, making a big deal. Listen, marriage is an incredible gift of God. Sex, in the context that God has planned, is, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And my prayer is that if your desire is for that, that God would help you to walk in purity and to be able to celebrate that at the time that it comes. But the point is, if you've just stood up you might leave today feeling like, right, I stood up in that seminar. I'm going to try really hard to not look at things I shouldn't look at, have sex until I'm married and really be able to enjoy all that kind of stuff. But if you do that, you're doomed to fail. Okay? We are all weak. We'll all make silly decisions. We'll all make mistakes. We'll all find ourselves in difficult situations. If we are those that trust that Jesus will help us and will lead us and will equip us and will empower us to walk into the things that he has for us, then actually we will find that this isn't going to be a chore. Following Jesus isn't a chore. It's not like when your mom and dad ask you to go and clean your room, and you're like, "Ah, I've got to go clean my room. That's not what it's like following Jesus. It is joyful. It is an adventure. It is exciting. I promise you it's the best thing you can do. If you're not a Christian here and you're thinking, these Christians are mental. So many of them just standing up saying they're not going to have sex till they get married. They're crazy. I don't really want to go into there. Listen, you need to find out about Jesus. Because once you find out about Jesus, you realize he's more exciting than sex. He's more appealing than sex. He is so much better than sex. That's what we believe. That's why we're willing to stand up and say, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay pure for Jesus because he's called me to it and he will surely do it. He's faithful in that. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage you two things. First thing is this. If you stood up today, or actually, if you've been in this seminar and you felt God speak to you in any way about anything around this topic, two things I want you to do. One is we'd love to pray for you. So we've got our incredible orange t-shirt crew who would love to pray for you. We've got an amazing team over here with their green hats as well who'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you. Don't leave this room if you want to be prayed for. Come over to the front over here and we'd love to pray for you. Second thing is, Make sure you talk about what God's been speaking to you about today when you get back to your campsite over lunch. Talk to your youth leaders, talk to your friends. Support and accountability is so important on this journey. Pete's point that you're not alone, I think, is such a massively profound point. If you feel like you're facing this on your own, we want to pray for you to show you that you're not, but also I want to encourage you to talk to people about it, because when you talk to people, you suddenly realize one of the biggest tricks the enemy's pulled is that the struggle that we face, only we face. And so no one else is going through those kind of difficulties. That's not true. Lots of people are. So we love you. Thank you so much for being with us.